Good evening, everyone. My name is Jean. I'm a food addict, and I have been in OA. I came into OA in July of 2004, so God willing, in a couple of months, I will have 19 years of back-to-back abstinence. I qualify to be a speaker at this meeting because I have lost over 100 pounds and kept it off. When I first came into the program, I weighed close to, I would say, about 250 pounds. I'm not 100% certain on that because my weight was such that, well, I didn't have a bathroom scale. And, uh, you know, when they weighed me at the doctor's office, obviously I had some clothes on and whatnot. But uh, the guesstimate was that I was about 250 pounds, and I'm now more in the... uh, my my current weight range is uh, 120 to 125. So I'm about in the middle of that right now. And so I have, you know, I have kept the weight off. And the reason why I came into Overeaters Anonymous was because I was overweight. And I had a doctor that I saw, you know, fairly regularly. And Finally, you know, back in 2004, the doctor said to me, look, you know, you really need to do something about your weight because your blood pressure is going up, your blood sugar is going up. Uh, I had edema in my lower legs, so my legs were swollen. And I had varicose veins. And he said to me, you're what we call pre-diabetic. And if you don't do something about your weight, you're going to end up on medication. And, you know, he didn't have to tell me all of the bad things that could happen if I developed diabetes because I knew people with diabetes and what had happened to them. Um, There was a guy I had worked with who was, I think he was actually a type 1 diabetic. He was a fairly young guy. And he used to have problems with his eyes. And I knew there were people who had gone blind from diabetes. Um, I had a neighbor who had had, uh, you know, some had to have some toes amputated. I had a dear friend later on uh, who developed type 2 diabetes and had had some amputations and some other problems. So, yeah, I, I knew all about, you know, diabetes and the terrible things it could do to people. And I did not want to go down that road. So, um, and plus that, you know, I was not working at the time. And so I'm thinking to myself, okay, how am I going to do this? Because I certainly can't join one of those, you know, pay every week systems or go out and buy some special foods that I probably wouldn't like anyway. Because I've always been kind of a picky eater. And so I went home. And I happened to, on my way home, run into a neighbor of mine who I knew from a local community group. And I told her what was going on. And she said to me, you know, if you're really serious about wanting to lose weight, I know something that can help you. And she told me about and that there was an OA meeting. There were OA meetings coming up that weekend, because this was during the week, uh, that there were OA meetings coming up on the weekend in the next town over, and she had a car, and she'd be willing to drive me. I'd like to go. 
He told me I would need to get a uh, digital scale for my food because I would need to weigh my food. I would need to get a bathroom scale so I could weigh myself as well. And I also would need to give up eating certain things like flour and sugar and artificial sweeteners and caffeine. And I would need to get a sponsor. And when I went to the meeting, I should bring some money with me because in those days it was just face-to-face meetings and they passed a basket for seventh tradition. And this particular uh, meeting was one that had a uh, table where they sold literature. So she told me, you know, I could go in there and buy books and pamphlets. And well, I love to read, so that would be wonderful. And that I would need to get a sponsor to help guide me through the program. And I said to her, I said, well, you know, was that something that she could do? And she said, no, because we were friends. That was probably not a good idea. I would need to get somebody else to be my sponsor. And I said, okay, I could do that. And so, you know, so meantime, you know, I was able to go out and find a digital food scale. I got a bathroom scale. And I started planning what I was going to do to get rid of all of the food that I wasn't going to be able to eat anymore. So I figured, well, for those last couple of days before I went before I went to my first meeting, I could still eat those things. And so I ate um, because a lot, I, I was on what I called like, a, I was an office worker, I wasn't making a whole lot of money. And I was on what I called a poverty diet, that is mostly you know, cheap carbohydrates I could buy at the store and a lot of flour-based products and so forth. And obviously those things were not suitable for an OA food plan. So I was eating that stuff up. Um, I generally didn't have a lot of junk food in the house. Uh, I would eat that stuff at work from work stress, but I wasn't, uh, I didn't have, I didn't bring it into the house. So um, it was mostly just a matter of getting rid of the, uh, you know, products that I had in the house and then getting what would be considered abstinent food. She told me I would get a food plan from my sponsor. So I started, you know, getting rid of things and packing them up, packing up stuff to give it away. Um, there were some things that I was able to, I did get a temporary job and place I was working at did have a, a kitchen and refrigerator and so forth and people had stuff there. So I brought in some of the things that you know could be eaten without cooking and uh, condiments and so forth. And I brought that stuff in and just put notes on it, you know, free whoever wants it. And a lot of it did disappear. Um, and then after I went to my first couple of meetings, uh, that is a Saturday and a Sunday morning meeting, mm-hmm. I did get a sponsor um, who told me to call her and so forth and gave me food plan, uh, suggested certain you know books and pamphlets for me to buy, which I did uh, to make sure I was doing readings and do some writing. And uh, you know there, there was a lot involved. And then, as luck would have it, I did get did get a job 
and now the time that she wanted me to call her no longer worked because I was working. So she suggested that I call someone else, and she gave me a person's phone number. And uh, that person, in turn, was I was basically eating vegetarian because meat was too expensive. And so that person gave me the phone number of the one vegetarian sponsor in the Boston area because that was where I was living at that time. And um, that person agreed to be my sponsor and take me through my weight loss. And so I followed the food plan and I reconnected with my higher power, who I call God. I mean, I had been brought up in a somewhat religious home and had taken, uh, you know, after school classes and so forth. But um, I, like, I, like I think a lot of people do, I didn't really think that God really cared about my, my weight problem. You know, that was, you know, I mean, after all, I mean, you pray to God for uh, natural disasters and, you know, please, uh, you know, heal my dying relative or whatever. But you don't say, hey, God, can you please, you know, get rid of my weight problem? That, that never crossed my mind. But uh, I came to find that I had a higher power that I could depend upon and realized that that higher power who I call God had actually been watching over me and helping me out in, in a variety of ways that I hadn't really thought about. And so I found that by turning things over, you know, I began a study of the steps also and talking about that with my sponsor and found that obviously, you know, step one, recognizing that I was powerless. Yeah, I saw that for sure, you know. Um, and that I needed to recognize that I had a higher power and that I could ask my higher power for help. And so that's what I started doing. And when I was asking for help, I found that for the most part, the stuff that I asked for, I got. I mean, I wasn't making, you know, it wasn't like, please God, let me win the lottery or something, you know. But that, you know, if I asked for, for simple things, a lot of times I got them. And one thing I had heard in meetings was the saying that if you ask God for help, you can get one of three answers. And the first one is yes, you know, you'll get this. Uh, the second one is you'll get it, but you'll get it later. And the third one is I have something better for you. Right. And I have found instances in my life where I have gotten that, you know, something better that I'd never thought of. Uh, sometimes it was in terms of uh, employment, where things that I never thought were going to come through, you know, a job came through, or that, uh, you know, I was able to do something that I didn't think I could. I was a person who had a lot of fears in my life. Um, I was kind of shy as a kid. And I was afraid of heights and afraid of falling. And now, you know, if I have to, I can climb up on a ladder if I need to do something. And for me, you know, that was something that was always, you know, to be praying, you know, 
please God help me, God help me, God help me. I don't have, I'm not afraid of this. I'm not afraid of this. Make sure I'm not afraid of this because I figured, you know, I'm going to climb up on a ladder. The last thing I want to do is feel shaky, right? But um, I was able to, you know, the last time I needed to, I was able to climb up on a step ladder. And not just on the first step, I actually made it up to the second step and uh, got some things out of a, you know, off the, the top shelf of a cupboard that I had difficulty reaching before. I haven't tried, I haven't needed to change any light bulbs recently, but I have on occasion been able to do that as well. And this is all because, you know, I believe my higher power has been helping me. Because otherwise, you know, I'd be a nervous wreck trying to climb up on something. I'd be scared to death that I was going to, you know, fall over backwards or something. And uh, now it's like, okay, you know, if I have to do it, I can do it. But uh, I've also learned not to worry about things. And for me, worrying was, I was a world-class worrier. I worried about things I had absolutely no control over. If, uh, you know, I, I grew up in Massachusetts, and of course, Massachusetts is northern climate. Snows in the wintertime, snow, ice, and so forth. I live in Florida now. I'm retired. But when I was living up there and I was working, well, I don't drive, and I was uh, taking public transit to get to work. And so sometimes it would be if they, if they were uh, predicting snow, for the morning when I'm going to work, I'd be like, okay, you know, I'd stay awake at night worrying, you know, is it going to snow tomorrow? Is it going to snow tomorrow? Uh, you know, am I going to be able to get to work? What's going to happen? Uh, and then I learned that, well, I have absolutely no control over whether it's going to snow or not. So the best thing for me to do would be to go to sleep, get a good night's sleep, get up in the morning, check to see, did it snow last night? Maybe it did, maybe it didn't, you know. And uh, then check my phone to see if there's a message from work, whether work's been called off or not. And, you know, nine times out of ten, they didn't call call off work because uh, either, you know, there wasn't very much snow or it hadn't started snowing yet. But, you know, to think about all the nights that I wasted worrying about snowstorms, you know, it's like, yeah, you know. I look back at it now and say to myself, that was very foolish. But, you know, at the time, you know, that was, that was, my, that was my only feeling that I had any uh, sense of it was that if I worried Jack, about a five-minute reminder. Thank you so much. And so for me, learning to stop worrying, to accept things, uh, there is a passage in the big book. People refer to it. Uh, the story is. Get it here. Yeah. The story is called "Acceptance Was the Answer." Some of you may be familiar. Uh, this is from page 417 in the big book. And acceptance is the answer to all my problems today. When I am disturbed, it's because I find some person, place, thing, or situation, some fact of my life unacceptable to me. And I can find no serenity until I accept that person, place, thing, or situation as being exactly the way it's supposed to be at this moment. Nothing, absolutely nothing, happens in God's world by mistake. And so 
once I came to accept that as true, then it's like, okay, I don't need to worry anymore. I just need to accept that whatever is, is. And if it's snowing, it's snowing. If it's not snowing, it's not snowing. That's all, you know, I'm not in charge. And that has brought a lot of uh, peace and serenity to my life. Um, the weight loss happened initially fairly quickly. I think I lost about 30 pounds in the first six weeks or so. And that's because, well, I had never really tried losing weight before. I was not fat as a kid or anything like that. I was actually a very skinny kid. And it wasn't until I got to work and discovered the snack machines at work that I started, you know, eating a lot of junk food. And I was gaining maybe five or ten pounds a year. But of course, if you, well, if you gain ten pounds a year and you do it for ten years, well, you've gained a hundred pounds. <laughs> and uh, that's kind of what happened to me. So, you know, it was it was very, very gradual. It wasn't you know, like all of a sudden ballooning. But I've had a lot of very positive experiences in the OA program. Um, I've been someone who's been drawn to doing service. I've always done service in any organization that I've belonged to or any group that I've been in. I was taught that from childhood, that, uh, you know, that if you want to be part of something, you need to be a part of it and not just be a spectator. And so when I came into OA and I got some abstinence behind me, I was able to uh, start taking on service positions. These were typically beginning face-to-face -face meetings. So, you know, whether it was helping set up the chairs or helping the person put out the literature or pack stuff up or... Uh, Gets, later on, get speakers. Eventually, I became a meeting treasurer. And then I became an intergroup treasurer. And I was a delegate to, well, Massachusetts was in Region 6, so I was delegate to Region 6 for, for a number of years. And uh, when they decided they needed uh, some intergroup to step up to uh, run the Region 6 convention one year, I talked my intergroup into doing it. I said I would do it. And they said, okay. And we got a couple of other intergroups to help out as well. And we put on a very successful OA convention. And this is despite the fact I had never even been to an OA convention before. And I ended up being the co-chair of it. But, you know, I love doing service and I learned. Um, I also... Not this year. One minute reminder. Thank you. Last year, I was also a delegate from my intergroup to World Service, and that was quite, quite an experience. So, I would strongly recommend, you know, um, doing service if you're looking for something to do to strengthen your program. So, with that, I will pass. And thank you so much for inviting me to speak. I'll leave my phone number after the recording. Thank you. <laughs>